1: A variety of writing games being released in episodic content. Now Telltale Games has had a market on that for some time. However, don't not has proved that they can hold their own with Life is Strange. For a lot of people, their introduction might have been the old Salmon Maximus, but for a lot more people it was with The Walking Dead simply because it was such a strong IP to begin with that once it came out. And those initial reviews came out saying how visceral and challenging it was. Not challenging in terms of gameplay, but in terms of the emotional turmoil it puts you through. That set it aside as a special type of game that we don't see often. Now, at the end of The Walking Dead, we were faced with an incredibly difficult choice to make. Whether Clementine was going to kill off Lee or let him turn while he's chained up and leave. I can't remember what you guys had chosen, but in my case, I had chosen to kill him. When the walking dead season two came out, I was extremely excited and I played through the first three episodes. And then I actually, because it didn't move me in the same way that the first season did when the fourth and eventually fifth episode came out, I was busy with other games and it was clear out of my mind. I decided a while back that I went in by a while back. I mean, literally last week that I was going to finish them and play through them. Not just because I wanted to. And also because I need to get some completions under my belt just so I can change the category in my steam there to say complete, move it off. But I wanted to. And part of what struck this with me was that they announced that the first one was going to be released free for Xbox Live members. And so I thought, you know what? I really need to go and finish two. And what I did is that I decided to continue to roleplay it in the same way that I did the first one. And that's where people got the most out of season one. If you role played as Clementine and not as an adult playing her, but you really, you know, what is this child doing? How, what is going on? It made every experience that much more visceral. And especially when you got to the end, because when you get to that choice, then you have to decide, is this the point where she is forced to, grow up and, in those immortal words, let go of childish things. And, again, I chose to to kill Lee off. And it wasn't just because it was the right thing to do, because she wouldn't have wanted to see him turn, but also just because, based on the choices that I'd been making with the character up until that point, it felt right. That was the point where she was going to, again, quote-unquote, grow up and... No longer be a child, regardless of her age. So when I went back to finish those other episodes, four and five, I decided I was going to play through all of them because I'd forgotten what had I, all the choices I'd made in one through three, and this time though, I started making a lot more of the harsh decisions again, role playing as this child that has been put through hell she's going to be different. She's not going to be innocent, and she is going to make some choices that are, some of them bad, some of them downright mean and vicious, but she's still going to have a a good heart. One of the things that I love about how Telltale Games handles their, their morality choices in the games is that unlike a game like Mass Effect, where you really need to boost up one or the other your paragon or your renegade to get the most out of it or in uh, Star Wars the old republic same kind of thing here it's all about the specific interactions with specific characters they're the ones that are going to remember it in some cases multiple people will but you don't have to feel like you always have to be bad or always good and that was the key for me at that point i started making choices where if 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 warranted. She was brutal and she was mean. (laughs) Not always a nice little girl to be around, but tough as nails because of everything that she'd put through. And yet when she was dealing with the daughter in the show, in the the episodes, who is developmentally challenged, she was nicer. When she needed to be, it was more of a, listen, get up, we're moving, or snap out of it, you need to grow up and things like that. But for the most part... It was almost as if she remembered whenever she was around her that she could be, for brief moments, still a child, but not too often. But with everybody else, far meaner. So I ripped through the first three episodes, and then I started going through four and five again. And while it still did not have the emotional impact that the first one did throughout the entirety of the season, there were moments that were crushing. Now, before I go on... Did either of you two actually finish season two?
0: Nope. I still haven't started season two. Okay. Well, my saves are locked away on my 360. Right. And I own the game on PC now. (laughs) Right. So I'm still at the point where I have to replay all of season one.
1: Right. Okay. It's definitely worth playing. It is oh, I'm, worth I'm sure.
0: It's just just like you. There's a lot of games. Exactly,
1: exactly. And there are better games, let's be very honest. But it's still a damn good game. And what I liked as well, which is the same as with any of these games, the outcome that I get is not necessarily the one that you get. Because the the choices that I had her make were, again, at points, had I been in those shoes, I would have made
0: a different choice you know but so I wish- basically what I'm getting is you were playing Clementine as what would Vince do yeah basically <laughs> maybe not that bad not that
1: bad but yeah and so I was playing through and and it's no secret you you meet Kenny again in in this game mm-hmm. and Kenny's losing it and he continues to lose it throughout depending on certain choices you make again I'm curious What would happen if I had played her more, I don't want to say softly, but for lack of a better term, softly and been nicer, maybe it wouldn't have been the same for him. I don't know, but he really starts to lose it to the point where she actually has to, she puts him down Um, because it's either they, 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 they did really push the, you can choose one or the other. There's in certain circumstances, there's no wiggle room whatsoever. So she actually puts him down, but there's one scene where she gets shot in my playthrough. She got shot. And again, I don't know if she gets shot in all of them and she blacks out and she wakes up and it's when she was younger and you look up and it's Lee and it's when they were in the trailer taken off after they had left. And I can't remember her name. I want to say Linda, but I don't think it was, but the one that wigged out, on the kid and you leave her you have the choice of leaving her behind or taking her in the trailer and keep going so kenny's behind the motorhome wheel and then kaja is still alive she's holding duck but he's been bit and then you are laying on lee's lap and the kid is in the back of the the rv and i remember that scene now i don't remember if they took that exact same scene to give you an entire entirely different look at it or if this was a new scene that was just reminiscent of what was already in the game i if there was an easy way for me to pop in and see i would but i I didn't bother doing that it was so powerful because again you i i like playing these games at night everybody's in bed i've got the lights out and i'm just kind of zoned right into it and when she looks up and sees lee i swear to god my jaw dropped i was like oh my god (laughs) <laughs> it's funny because and we're going to be talking about some various Twitch stuff coming up because there was a TwitchCon. And often I think, you know, I nobody would want to watch an old guy streaming games like me, really. But then moments like this occur, and I know myself. I get sucked in <laughs> so much into these games that my reactions are genuine, and I almost cried when I saw Lee. It was like so freaking heart-wrenching. It was like, holy fuck. And then I'm trying to remember, okay, what choices did I say before? Are they the same ones? And, and, and I'm listening to what he's saying. And, and the choices that I made reflected now the experiences that I'd had. And so when he's talking about Duck, I'm, I'm, I chose like he's not going to make it. I know he's not going to make it. And meanwhile, Lee's going, oh, we don't know that yet. We don't know the whole extent of what happens when you get bitten, this and that. And so a lot of the things that were being said, which again, I'd like to know if it was changed, were so different in looking at it this time around because of everything that she'd been through since then. And that scene alone makes this entire season worth playing. It was spectacularly moving, unbelievable. And then from then on to the 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 dynamics between the characters that remain is unbelievable. It really ramps up very well, and and I, I enjoyed it a lot. And what was funny is that, in typical Telltale games fashion, you get the end of who made the same choices as you kind of thing. And if you'll recall, in the first one, at the end, it tells you who you're left with. Mm-hmm. Well. For me, it was just her and the baby. Yeah. <laughs> and that was it. Now, that's a Vince moment there. I'll tell you. <laughs> Everybody else is either gone or have abandoned them. And so I, I would love to see what some other people were left with because I can clearly see how there'd be some choices that you could have made where you still remain the child and there was an adult with you, at least one to help you along the way kind of thing but with me it was her and the baby and I mean spoiler warning yeah it's an old game that's done now but still for this ending here the one that I managed to get through you are walking off with the baby I won't say where the baby comes from and everything else but yeah you got the baby and you're you're walking off and you're abandoning another member and you're in like a middle of a snowstorm and then all of a sudden it cuts to I can't remember how many months later, whatever it was. And you're in an open field and there's a herd coming at you. And there is a moment and they did such a good job with the animation because she's got the baby in her arm and she looks up and there's just like a second of like, oh, crap. And it's immediately gone. And she's tough. She knows what she has to do. She walks up. There's a corpse on the ground while it's not yet completely dead. Axes the head, opens it up, starts smearing the guts on herself, on the baby, and just calmly walks right through the herd. And you're thinking, you badass! <laughs> Every choice I made was right if it led to this. It, I cannot imagine a better ending for season two. It was amazing. So, you boys need to play. <laughs> because just play it. It obviously doesn't take long, and it was so worth it. Now, going back to TwitchCon, like I said, there was actually a couple of cons that happened. There was the Eurogamer, um, Eurogamer X, EGX, they call it. And there was also a TwitchCon. The TwitchCon contained a lot of streams of like MOBAs and different things like eSports stuff that not appropriate for this podcast. And there was also a lot of interviewing various streamers. Again, not so much our thing, but there was also... A lot of information that was given for a variety of games that was spectacular, like really, really good stuff. We're actually going to start with the Sword Coast Legend stuff. Joe, go ahead.
2: Okay, so this had me incredibly excited, not just because of news from the game, but I found an hour and twenty-minute game session. Mm-hmm. Not as, not 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 as, and when I say game session, I mean. A tabletop game session completely done within the context of Sword Coast Legends. Using the engine, using the rules, using everything at their disposal for a GM actually role-playing and interacting with his players. That was amazing to me to see, because that's what I've always wanted in a game like this, and to see people do it to that extent and to be able to use the game system to do so was absolutely amazing to me. And again, if it's an hour and twenty minutes, but if you are into that type of thing, I highly recommend watching through it, watching the players interact, watching how it works with, you know, the context of the game mechanics. And it was really cool to see. And it was it was amazing too to see how well the mechanics worked, how well the fog of war worked, how well everything worked to sort of create that same tabletop experience almost to a T inside of this game. And it proves that they're hitting the mark exactly with what they said they're going to do. Yeah. And they said that they were going to give us the ability to take our games and port them in here so that we could play with whoever we want, everybody, anywhere in the world, and make it a fantastic experience. Yeah, they're, they're damn well doing it.
0: Yeah, for the past couple months now, we've seen all these videos for the game showing off the various mechanics in a bubble. This, over the past you know couple weeks now, with the with the head starts going out, was our first opportunity to see everything all meshed together and the full package is so much more than I could have anticipated. Even me who had basically gobbled up every bit of media that they had to offer. It even blew me away. I thought it was awesome. I like, this is what I want to see
1: us using for like your game that you're doing, like, or the next one that we do kind of thing. It was just spectacular. It was, yeah,
2: I loved it. Yeah, and that and that was my exact thoughts too. Is when we could easily transport our little gaming sessions into this, and then everybody will be far more entertained than just Sir Reginald lighting things on fire. They'll actually be able to see Sir Reginald lighting things on fire. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Speaking of Telltale Games, we also got a really cool. Um, they had the devs on, and they actually showed some more stuff too for the Minecraft game coming up.
2: Yeah,
0: Minecraft Story Mode looks so freaking cool i mean we have all the usual telltale trappings and and i like that they led off with people know us for the walking dead and tales from the borderlands and all this other stuff but telltale's starting point was on the more family friendly stuff you know monkey island Sam and max so in a lot of ways minecraft is kind of a return to their roots and being able to do a really good game that's also funny it's just a blast to play. You're not going to have like these really heavy, you know, Walking Dead style character moments. Please tell me the pig lives. <laughs> I was going to say the pig, come on. That's pretty heavy. But what I really liked about this is how amazingly they've transported Minecraft into a completely different game. I mean, you have a lot of the elements that you'd expect, you know, the crafting and the building and and that sort of stuff, which is cool. But what blew me away was that they built this game in minecraft they made sure that everything they wanted to do with their version of the game was indicative of an experience somebody could actually have in the core game that is an attention to detail that is what makes telltale who they are that's something that i would not have Even in my wildest dreams expected a company to do of taking their source material, building their entire game in that source material and then transferring it into their own engine. That was astonishing to me. I'm still
2: marveling at the fact that there's going to be multiple main characters too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it's not like other telltale games in that regard either. You choose a character and can have completely different experiences based on that character. That's also a huge undertaking. That's that's amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: And just seeing it in action, the game does look like a blast. Like, it does. It, it's going to be a very welcome change of pace after this year's... <laughs> Tales from the Borderlands? Ridiculousness.
1: Yeah, because they're saying the last episode is going to be brutal for Tales of the Borderlands. So I was like, oh, fuck. Who's going to die?
0: <laughs> Everyone.
2: I have an idea.
1: I don't want to hear it.
0: <laughs> after episode four, I, I can't take anymore. Yeah, really? I don't even get me started on freaking game of thrones you yeah. haven't been playing that one
1: i'm waiting that is that one done yet there's still one more episode I think, is there not I,
0: I think they said october is going to be like ridiculous for yeah. telltale because they have game of thrones tales from the borderlands wrapping up and they're launching uh minecraft story mode and the new walking dead side story all in the same month yeah i'm gonna be doing plus the- well um, you'll get to what else is going on in october later
1: yeah <laughs> okay there was also a, a well some of it was good the uh, Star Wars: The Republic Knights of the Fallen Empire interview with the uh, the devs there too uh, director and dev I believe it was what it was it, it, part of it was really good because they did talk about Fallen Empire but then the the guy doing the interview had not been playing for a long time so then <laughs> he, he got them to talk about shit that they've implemented in the game like months ago or as much as a year and it's like no talk about this stuff I am still super psyched for this. I, um, I I managed to do some tweaking on my, my boot camp partition, which is still fucked thanks to Windows 10. But I did some <laughs> tweaking. and I've got the settings as low as they can go. I still get screen tearing, but it's like, screw it. I don't care. I got my little uh, uh, Jedi Knight from 17 to 33, I think, or something like that, in, on Saturday. Because they they have right now the twelve times experience for class questing, and what they said, which I was really happy to hear, is that that shit's staying in. They saw how Ooh. popular it was, and Ooh. because they care now about... now, you have my attention. Yeah, because they know that they're they're taking this shift where its story is what is important. They're making it so that you can do nothing but class leveling and get from level one to fifty. Huh. So that's staying in the game. Okay, then. So my ears perked up when I heard that. I was like, okay, good. That's that's fantastic. The expansion's coming out on the um, 27th of October, and they're going to have the first nine chapters at launch, and then after the movie comes out, they're going to be putting out one chapter per month, or thereabouts kind of thing. So... For anybody who hasn't been following it, they did show the intro trailer, which we've seen quite a number of times now. And basically the, the twins have had an army and they carved a path of destruction is what they say like. And... Then they disappear. Meanwhile, you've also got the Sith Emperor, who's still alive and kicking, who destroyed a planet, and he's also disappeared. And then you basically come out, and there's this Darth Marr, and he actually will, he's trying to gather allies from both factions, it doesn't matter, to, to fight this. They're raising the level cap to 65. You're getting one free character to level 60, they said, and... They're doing a crop load of changes to the combat system to focus a lot on mobility for all of the classes which is awesome because some of the classes you are stuck behind like Imperial agent behind your little force field there. And and you're screwed if you move around too much, but they're doing a lot of changes. They're also working through a lot of the flashpoints and stuff like that. They're going to bump them up to max level and then do the same with the gear so that it's appropriate to your level. But they're also going to set them up so that if you want to solo them in story mode, you'll be able to do that. And that's huge as well too, because there's a bunch of story stuff in there. So while they did discuss crap like the starfighter stuff which i mean we already knew that a year ago uh there was still a lot of stuff that was definitely worth hearing for folks that are are interested and again i spent a lot of time on on saturday and uh and part of sunday not too much cuz i had company over but it felt so good being in that world again <laughs> it just was one of those like my god i've missed this game it's just I, again, I, I've kind of reached that point in WoW now where I'm, I'm logging in, doing my follower missions just so I can get money to pay for the sub because I'm not paying real money, and then that's it. And I go in here, and it's like, I want to invest time in this place. I want to, like, because the, the Jedi Knight, I actually hadn't done that questing. So, and I've got a Sith as my Jedi Knight, so I'm just waiting till she gets that final companion who's a Sith as well. And so it's 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 just been a ton of fun to be back in that world again. Now, we did have, like I said as well, not just the uh, the TwitchCon, which there's a little bit more we're going to touch on with TwitchCon with uh, with Guild Wars, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. There was also this Eurogamer X that was going on, and they gave us more footage on Just Cause 3, which we'd already seen a lot of the stuff there. They really they didn't have any extra story elements in any of the demos that they'd received, so it was just breaking shit up, breaking up a lot of shit. <laughs> Which is all well and good, but that's basically all it was. It looked good. looked like a lot of fun. But like they said, too, I don't know how much I'm going to want to play it until I know a little bit more story-wise and things like that. But it still looked cool. They also talked a lot about various VRs, which, aha, aha, that's where you got my interest. Thank you very much. But they talked about the PlayStation VR as well as the, the, the Vive. And while there was a lot of stuff that that we'd already heard about, I still like hearing from a variety of people, not just the same ones we're always used to, but more people who are impressed or who have criticisms that are valid and things like that. Because again, let's hear from a wide berth of not just journalists, but players and and hear what they all have to say before we start plunking down these hundreds of friggin' dollars on these things. But when somebody says that, when the, the he was saying his buddy was playing and asked if the guy running the demo actually breathed down his neck and face at one point when there was a monster because his brain was so in that moment with this creature breathing down his face that he felt breath on his face, his actual face. And that's when I was like, sold. I was already sold, but sold again. <laughs> that's amazing. That's just freaking Unbelievable. And it, and it's we know these things. Again, if your brain feels that it is somewhere, that's how it's gonna to react to that environment. And that is just too bloody cool. Alright, you don't care.
0: No. It's-
1: <laughs> I saw Did you actually see it though? Did you see the setup they had for Elite Dangerous? No. Dude. Yes. They had a gorgeous, they had just a chair, but then they had like the flight stick on one and the throttle on the other side. And you'd sit down because there was a demo for the for the Vive. And it was really dangerous. And they said, like, you're in space. That's that. Like you, the, 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 the breath of space is right there and you feel like you're in there. Because a lot of the other things, the problem is, is that you have a controller in your hand or you mm-hmm. have the two little controllers like for the Oculus. And that really throws people off because it's not the same as what your brain sees is in your hands. So that creates a disconnect, but with something like elite dangerous, it's exactly the same. You've got your hands on the throttle and on the, the joystick and you're zipping along space. And so the immersion for that game is you you can't beat it. That had me bloody excited because I love space games like that. And I've got elite dangerous. I haven't played it cause I'm holding off cause I'm saving for a joystick and, and a throttle cause I don't have one. So that was freaking
0: cool as shit. So basically what I'm hearing is all the chair was missing was a toilet. Yeah, really? catheter <laughs> hooked up to it. <laughs> I'd
2: love to see them go one step further and put like the 4D theater seat in there too with like the rumble and the pitch. Oh, dude. And yeah. then then, then you'd, have, you'd have like the perfect setup. I've been wanting to do that specifically with Elite Dangerous since Elite Dangerous was like sent to the wild. Yeah, that was awesome. Did you see the
1: little demo for that Lumo game? Were you the little sorcerer going around, the platformer? I saw a little bit of it. It looked freaking awesome. They did. It looked very cool. There was a pretty big presence by Nintendo, and there was Fallout 4 was there. The the, the freaking line for Battlefront that they followed <laughs> in the one video, I was like, oh my,
0: I couldn't do it. And there's no way in hell I could do that. Unbelievable. So what did you do at the con? I stood in line. Yeah, Really? I I got to play five minutes of the new Star Wars game. It was worth it.
1: (laughs) The one thing, I mean, there was also some Assassin's Creed, some tabletop stuff, but pretty sparse. Everybody was in the freaking Battlefront (laughs) lineup. (laughs) But there was a really cool interview with uh, Shuhei Yoshida from the president of Sony Computer Entertainment. And, I mean, a lot of it was just history stuff about his time in it. But the thing that struck a lot of people is when they were talking about the Vita and the potential successor to the PS Vita and him saying that it really is an entirely different market and it's not likely to happen. The Vita might be the Mm -hmm. last PlayStation portable console that we see, which is sad. I, I, I appreciate, again, people love to slime on it and that's fine. And it hasn't done as well as the 3DS, but that's like... Again, I, I I never felt that was a fair comparison because the 3ds was that blip on the map. That's just it, it, it. The the popularity is unbelievable. So you can't compare everything to it. But what he said that was intelligent is that again you're now competing
0: with all of the telephones and tablets and things like that. So and as big as we see mobile gaming as it is. Ten times bigger in Japan than it is in America. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm sure the Vita is probably more successful in America than it is in Japan because the the mobile game competition is so fierce over there. That's why Konami doesn't make games anymore. They decided to go into the mobile market. Yeah. So, anyways, I I do think that's sad. But that said,
1: again, hopefully they're they're still planning on pushing out a number of titles for the Vita, and that it still has some legs. So. Mm-hmm. We did get some news about Life is Strange, and that is just that episode five is going to be coming out on the twentieth of October, if all goes according to plan. A little worried that it's not even done yet. <laughs> <laughs> They're still working on it. They're just really hoping it'll be done by the twentieth. And I was like, Yeah maybe, maybe a date a little further. Make sure that this sucker is it well done." Has to be October twentieth. No, it doesn't.
0: Yeah, it's Max's birthday. I know,
1: but it doesn't have to. Sure <laughs> it like, does. I want this done well. Listen, it Roger, they to.
0: control the flow of time. The game can come out when they want it to come <laughs> out. <off. laughs>
1: All right. What did you think of this Pamela game?
0: Well, we talked about it a couple months a ago. Bit, was yeah. it at E3, I yes, think? Yes, yes. It was the E3 episode. And we said really cool concept, really liked what they did. But now that the game is a game and they're really starting to show it off. This has gotten so much more impressive. I mean, you just look at this game and it is gorgeous. And you come to figure out why this game looks as good as it does. Uh, the, the company, don't ask me to pronounce it, <laughs> that made it, you know, they, there were these four kids basically fresh out of, you know, their tech colleges and, you know, they took classes in game development, but the company started by just doing visualizations of architecture. So they got really good at designing real world environments for you know investors and whatnot to look at. And they just went, let's use this to make a game. So they took all that skill and all that knowledge about building environments that work and put it into game design. And that's the Everybody's impression of this game was, my God, it's gorgeous. This is one of the most, Amazing worlds to exist in. Not necessarily, you know, conceptually. It's pretty cool conceptually, but just the way it looks. It does not look like a video game. It looks like, you know, something that you could see in the real world. Yeah.
2: I was blown away by this. Like, we all know that I'm a fan of the Bioshock series. We all know that I'm a fan of dystopian futures. The... Cyberpunkish attitude of it that, again, we touched on it before, but seeing it brought to life like this, seeing those stunning visuals, seeing that lighting, the lighting effects were absolutely phenomenal, mm-hmm. and seeing it all come together, like, this went from oh, that's cool, I want to pay attention to this, to I need to buy this when it comes out. As it, long as there's a good story behind it, which it looks like there is, I'm gonna be sold. Like, I, I have not, this... I was floored. I was absolutely floored. You guys
1: are going to get tired of hearing this if you're not already. But, again, I see this. You want it in
2: VR? Fuck yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I so want this shit in VR. It would be amazing
0: in VR. Wire up your uh, Pip-Boy so that you can have, like, the the little in-game thing. But it really shows just how much strength the unity engine has yeah. and that a lot of that potential is being wasted because nobody thought to look at their design from this direction it took a, a fresh point of view to really make us realize the the capabilities that this engine has
1: yeah yeah definitely Okay, we also got some news about Divinity: Original Sin Two. I had actually saw I saw a, tra- a a gameplay footage for it, and it wasn't until the end that I realized that it was actually an older one that I just hadn't found. I backed this on Kickstarter, and now that I've seen yet more about it, I cannot wait to play this game. Not just because the design is brilliant, but the world lore that I'm, I'm finding out from these videos is one that I really want to sink my teeth into.
2: So this is a game that I have been excited about since I got my hands on Divinity Original Sin, or Divinity 2 Original Sin. Um, the first one from the series, or third, fourth one in the series, actually, technically, but whatever. Um, the first Original Sin. The game. first Original Sin game. Yeah, that's a great way to phrase it. I love this game because I love this style of game. I love the classic isometric RPG-style game that actually gives you choices. This is the spiritual successor to Baldur's Gate in all intents and purposes for everything that this game has. And what we've seen here is just furthering that along. Fantastic visuals, fantastic story, and fantastic choices in how your characters interact is absolutely amazing. They showed off a quest line where you could play as a necromancer. Uh, You can do that. That's that's cool. Instead of you know screwing around with people, you can just murder them and then talk to their souls and force their souls to answer you and then steal them. Awesome! That was awesome. Yep. Oh, this woman's sick. Great. You know what? Murder. Nope. You're not sick anymore. Hey, spirit. Tell me who killed you. Sweet. I'm gonna go take care of that. Your soul's mine now. Peace. Like, like having that ability to choose or like uh, the ability to go back and maybe be the compassionate person, maybe help the healer. But having that sort of choice and having to actually be something and be something that cool is amazing to me. And it shouldn't be a surprise because I think uh, this is Focus Home Interactive did. They were partnered up. They did the uh, the original sin. They did Divinity 2 uh, back in the day. And done a whole slew of my favorite games, including two games that I'm looking forward to coming out. So it's no surprise that this game is the caliber that it is coming out. On top of that, we also got some interesting cool news as well. The Kickstarter hit another stretch goal, uh, and that stretch goal was to get collaborative work from somebody who is a super high pedigree when it comes to games like this. And I cannot pronounce his name, and I'm sorry about that. It's like Larian... Uh, Larian hired was it Chris Avaloni Avalon, or at least they're working with him. Who's Ask somebody Chris who's worked... from? Yeah, yeah. He, he worked on Fallout 2 Planescape Torment, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic two, uh, Fallout New Vegas, and Pillars of Eternity, which are all amazing games, all amazing stories. And he's going to be working with them on this, and that makes me absolutely ecstatic. Hey, just everything about this game. I love it. I, mean, I told Roger, I told Roger before, and he backed it, and he sent me, and I was like, I told you, Snow.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the first one is sitting in my Steam Hall of Shame. I actually never picked up the first one. And again, it's worth it. Well, now that
1: this is going to be coming out, I'll just hold off and I'll get this one. But uh, but no, it's everything that I'm seeing about this is great. And like the video where it was even talking about how like the, the if you're a dwarf and they're not letting you into town because of the, 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 the racial prejudice against dwarfs. So you have to find different ways of getting into the town and all that. And then when they were talking to you, when they were recruiting for, for the mission and whatnot, and then you have everybody's got their own... Agenda, essentially, and things like that of what's going to happen. There were so many different things where you see that the world lore is so well-layered and well-thought-out that you want to invest time to get to know more about it. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Let's move on to Guild Wars 2. (laughs) Now, they have been ramping up their hype train, and with good reason. The expansion's coming up very soon, and they're giving yet more information about the next Elite specialization. We got to see the release trailer, and there was also some more information about raids as well. They had a panel at TwitchCon where they talked about raids, which was freaking cool as shit. The The release trailer was awesome. <laughs> like, I mean, it's not showing you a crop load of stuff, but it's got, like, Ritlock and his party going up against the badass elder dragon and his the Forces is coming up. Well, it was mainly just him, but the party shows it up was at the end. And
0: people yelling at him to watch out. Yeah. They were moral
1: support. They, they were the class buff. He brought
0: three bards with him. <laughs> and they were buffing Sometimes
1: him. you just need a song. It was awesome. Anyways. And, and very cool. But we got the information about the ranger elite specialization, which we knew was going to be the druid, but then we got a lot more information about how it's going to work. Now, Again, we've made this clear over a great many podcasts. Joe and I love playing healers. Mm -hmm. This is the first time that I read everything about a healer because this is like dedicated healer and think this might be a little too complicated because (laughs) not only are you dealing with all of the, the weapon abilities from having a staff, Some of them which are going to do uh, damage, but a lot of them do just healing or in addition to doing damage are also healing your allies. There's also the freaking awesome movement abilities, turning into a wisp and just going where you need to go kind of thing to a target location and then healing. That was freaking awesome. But then there's also the elite specialization, which lets you draw in astral force. And then once you're fully charged, you can release that force and become a celestial avatar. And that's where when they, they say you become a healing powerhouse. And now all of a sudden, you can take a party that's on the brink of death and bring them back up to full health. And then they, they show you all of those abilities. So this is not too complicated at this point. We, we've seen this in, in WoW with the Druid coincidentally where you go into your tree form and all of a sudden pff, party was near death and they're full health again. And that's great. But Druids here are also going to get glyphs now. Mm-hmm. And the glyphs are going to do a variety of things, including healing and all that. But the glyphs are going to be different based on if you're in regular form or celestial form as well. So now you really got to be thinking about exactly what you need because some of it, like I said, is, is buffing your party, uh, a lot of crowd control through those glyphs as well and things like that. But now you got to think, okay, I need to do this glyph's ability, but do I need to be in regular form or do I need to be in celestial avatar form? Like this is going to be a very, very
2: complex class to play. Yeah, but it's going to be fun. I'm not saying you won't. <laughs> <I'm not laughs> you you may, you may have to be very very drunk in order to stumble upon the keys in the proper order, but holy hell is that going to be fun. And yeah. the visual effects are friggin'. we've just seen still shots and they look fucking gorgeous.
1: Yeah. And on top of that because you're still a ranger, there's new pets, new pets yep. to tame. There's going to be a a smoke scale. There's going to be a bristleback. Yeah, I don't care so much about that. A freaking tiger. And a couple of wyverns, an electric one and a fire one. I'm guessing that's a fire one in the picture because I saw that and I went, done, done. I I have a ranger. I like playing him and I'm going back to him and playing that shit because I need to tame that thing. So it was freaking awesome. So then they talked about the raids. Uh, Did you actually get to see that, Joe?
2: No, I did not. Yeah,
1: I actually, I'd forgotten about that. I had it favorited. From, from Delphi's write-up and uh, in Twitter, and then I'd forgotten, and I saw it today, and I went, crap, because that was from TwitchCon. So they talked about the raids, and they, they interviewed a couple of people who are, are working on them, and of course they're going to be excited about it because they've never done raids, so this is huge for them. But from everything we'd already heard about the raids, and then on top of that, this, like, this is unbelievable. And they were saying, like, a lot of the secrecy that they've had regarding the raids is it's not because they're trying to be coy, but because they want to make sure everything works before they release it. Because if they give all the information out and then it doesn't work as they want because they're doing a ton of internal testing, then they got to go back and change and all that. So oh, as it a,
2: sounds like a company could actually take a note from them. Yeah.
1: Huh. the um, The raids, of course, we know are going to be in squads of 10, and you're going to have these... The the squads are, there's like a new UI for it and all that. And you're going to, it's going to be different than the norm. And by the norm, I say for most people, wow, rates kind of thing. It's, It's fairly different from that. They have a thing where you can buy a commander squad book, which allows you to have a lot of different options for when you're doing group content and things like that. But a lot of people don't have it because it costs you 300 gold. You're not going to need that. To get into these raids, but if you do have somebody who has it, then there's going to be more options available to you. But you can go in without that, and it's basically a leaderless squad, they're calling it. And what's interesting is that whoever goes through the portal first, which is this freaking awesome blood red portal, whoever goes through it first, the raid determines how far they've progressed in it how many wings or bosses they've done and then we'll put you to the next boss. Now you can choose to go back and repeat the same boss that you did the day before if someone in your group didn't get it, but then you're only going to get again the loot is only distributed for you once per week when you kill the boss. So it doesn't matter how many times you kill, it, but if, you know, somebody in your party needs it, then you can go back. But it's this weird kind of mechanic where whoever goes through the portal first is the one that the raid says, oh, okay, you beat the first boss, here's the second boss, have at her. The good thing about that, though, is that whoever does join the raid, if they have not gone in yet and didn't do the first one, it doesn't matter. They can just start with you on the second boss and get their loot from that kind of thing. Weird kind of mechanic, but it's still, I can see it working. They're, they're really, really encouraging this to be guild base. That kind of scares me a little because they were asking, too, like, are you going to be able to pug this? And they were going, you might get through a boss or two. But then even one of the devs was like, I think you're being a little too generous there. They're really, (laughs) really pushing how you're going to need to work together. And we saw how this hardcore mentality did not work for Wildstar for raiding. So I'm really, really hoping that it's not going to be that kind of thing for this so there's there's still going to be a a lot of cool things in the 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 raid as well Uh, tons of information about the loot again the loot with them is is entirely personal your own loot you don't have to worry about one group loot for everybody and then arguing about it the the rewards are going to be insane they're saying including all of your ascendant rewards brand new loot tables for them the the bosses in there are going to have a much higher drop rate for Ascendant and and other things like that, high-end stuff than, say, even the world bosses. You're going to get tomes of experiences that are going to help you with your masteries to really boost it up, exclusive skins to the raid. Like, for one boss, there's a, a shield that drops from him, and she was saying the shield was basically they took a portion of the boss's skin that texture, <laughs> that, that skin, and turned it into a shield. And then there's also Legit. this insane flamethrower for engineer folks that she described that there was a photo of it too that just looked sick. Unbelievable. And then there's also going to be legendary armor, the precursors to start you on that journey. And also if you do strictly guild runs, then there's a chance of getting these, incredible statues that you can put in your guild halls as well so the wings for that are going to be releasing one at a time they said the first one's going to be going out shortly after it comes out the other two they're talking about putting in in very early next year very early sounded like she was saying even the first or second month kind of thing they, they were hinting that they're going to be doing more raids and they may be able to do as many as six wings a year if they want and some of the wings can be done just if it's an off story kind of thing that it's just a a one-off they can easily put that out as well and the manner in which they're doing the story is like this isn't just a a raid you go in just to to get loot there's story behind this and most of it is going to be after the events of the heart of thorn storyline and then what you do in the questing for the first wing then leads you into the questing and stuff for the second and so forth kind of thing. So there's going to be this really spectacular storyline that you follow throughout as well. And then they're doing a lot of work with the the skills devs to make sure that, you know, nobody's overpowered. And and they're, they're making sure that whatever abilities classes have are suited to not just a PvE, e and pvp content but also now the raid stuff it was it was bloody cool like it, it really made me seriously consider like this is the kind of raiding atmosphere that i could really get behind with a good guild it sounds like it's gonna be a ton of fun
2: yeah they definitely have me sold like it, like from your description there that makes me really happy yeah and i'm kind of excited for that because it also seems like they're doing it uh in such a way that it for lack of a better term, people are not going to get bored too yes. quickly. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the key because with most of the raiding, it's like, here's this wonderful massive dungeon we worked or raid that we worked 12 months on. Oh, you're done in a week. Crap. What are we going to do now?
0: Mm-hmm. So, make okay. it harder.
1: <laughs> Did you guys watch the Rise of the Tomb Raider video gameplay footage?
0: No. I just don't have an Xbox One, so no. I didn't care.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, but it's going to be coming out on PC as well. hmm Anyways, not on my PC. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was fairly cool. There was uh, a lot of stuff that I found was way too reminiscent of the reboot, the first one. A lot. Like the even the the similar bombed out shelter look and whatnot. Like this one's in Russia sure, but it's just looked way too similar to the other. But the gameplay was was it was cool, not because it was wholly original, because it did a lot of the same things that we saw in the first one. You know, trying to stealth pass uh, some guys or, or do some silent kills and things like that. There was some freaking Nathan Drake level platforming going on. <laughs> it was like, no, 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 nobody can do that. But there was also the freaking coolest shit. zip lining and all kinds of other stuff. The transition between cinematic to gameplay was beautiful. Really, really nicely done. But then you get like stupid enemy chatter like... Covering fire and flush her out and all this stupid stuff. You're going off for fuck's sakes. Nobody would say anything and <laughs> would sneak around and shoot her in the head. There's different things like that, that I found kind of had me a little concerned, not too much because I'm going to play it, but it, and it almost seemed like it was being played a little bit too much on easy mode. Cause she was getting headshots way too easily. Like these guys aren't moving around enough and things like that. So I thought that it, it looked to be, too easy and that's not something that that i would want of course i know that they'll allow you to crank up the difficulty insane lighting dynamics just it, it looked good like really really good i can see this on nice big screen 1080p would look gorgeous so it's it, i i I wasn't impressed as impressed with this gameplay footage as I was with the last one that they put out just a few weeks ago that showed a lot more kind of the cinematic stuff and different things like that that really looked cool. This was a lot more of what we've already seen in the the first reboot. So yeah, we'll see as it comes out. We also got a fuck ton of Warhammer
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: news, like a
2: ton of Warhammer news. So remember when we first reviewed this game and I was like, you know, I'm not totally sure. I'm going to kind of keep my reservations aside. I've seen other Warhammer games and they've sucked. Holy hell. Am I pleasant? I don't want to say pleasantly surprised. I am so fucking happy right now with this. It is not even funny. So they started off a bunch of things with one of my favorite races in the entire Warhammer universe, which is dwarves. They started showing the difference in the units, uh, how they do wage warfare Uh, they introduce one of the classic characters from the tabletop game that's been there since the original inception uh, of warhammer which is the grudge bearer clan uh, which is absolutely hysterical uh, because they are the the for lack of a better term lawful neutral faction of dwarves they'll kill their own if it serves to settle a grudge Uh, and you can see that in one of the trailers they introduce the slayers which are one of my absolute favorite type types of dwarves they're absolute suicidal monstrosities that specialize in killing giant monsters like trolls and giants. Uh, Just so many good things. And the fact is we're seeing all this stuff. It's all pre alpha footage too. And the scales of these battles are huge, very, very huge. We're starting to see a bunch of the under underground cities, the underground city ways. I'm so happy with everything they're pushing forward. Like I, I'm gushing. There's a good reason I'm gushing. It's also really interesting because right now, on the tabletop side of things, Warhammer Fantasy doesn't exist anymore. This is it. This is the only remnants of Warhammer Fantasy that exists. They're continuing the story from the tabletop game here, and that is amazing to me. Have you actually watched <laughs> I was, any was any waiting that for Vince to say something. As
0: cool as Warhammer is, I'm not a fan of the Total War franchise, so... Nah. I just don't like the the big grand strategy type stuff. I, I prefer you know more small scale strategy. Okay,
1: hmm. Roger. I actually never played any of the Warhammer games, so that's I I saw it and I thought of you. I thought okay, let's, let's give him a, well, a soapbox
2: to stand on so he can preach.
0: It's got the word "for" <laughs> in it. It must be for Joe. Yeah. Well, on the on the on the
2: that topic, or at least uh, it is a very mass battle game. Like we're talking, you're familiar with RTSs. This is beyond RTS's. This is like whole units and armies versus each other, it's not just like war a game simulation. Yeah. It is war game simulation, but the cutscenes, the slow-mos, uh, the inner the the random events that can happen during an encounter, all of this stuff make it much more dynamic than a traditional war sim. Um, not to mention the fact that there's, you know, giants and magic as well as machines of war. It makes it for me. Not just because it's a Warhammer game, uh, but as a war sim, I've been waiting for something like this. I love mass battle strategy games. This is my this is one of my favorite genres of old school strategy RTSs. Give me mass battles. Give me armies. Give me wheeling. Give me flanking and give me a variety of units to play with, and I'm a happy camper. Okay, I like let me, this stuff so much more than like
1: StarCraft. Let me ask you this then. What sets this apart from the others that makes this the one that's worth playing?
2: So every other Warhammer game that's come out over the course of the last 25 years has been shoddy controls, uh, not mass battles like they claim that they are, but they're really not. Uh, They don't have attention to the detail like they're just generic units and they all fell at magic as well as monsters. Here, monsters and magic are such an integral part of the universe that having them done right, like seeing the giant arachnids, seeing the trolls and the giants and how they they devour and smash and how they kind of. They're titans of war. They, they're, they're these big monstrosities that have to be dealt with, as well as mages taking the field and throwing fireballs and lightning or, you know, seeing regiments go out there. Their attention to detail in this game is spot on. This is the first, this is also the first Warhammer game that's been done by the people at Total War. And I think it's the perfect blending because I'll be honest, the original Total War games didn't really interest me that much, mostly because they were historical. It's not that they're bad, they were really good games, but. I just didn't care for the historical periods that they were set in. Here, this is a a setting that I care about, uh, a setting that I enjoy. It's high fantasy. And then it's taking that same engine that works so well for mass battles. And it just marries the two in such a wonderful way. Although I'm really confused why they didn't just call it Total Warhammer. Because that would have been too obvious. Okay. Anything else to Burton thoughts? Just, I want more. I want to see more of the other races now. We've seen dwarves. We've seen orcs. I want to see more. I want to see the human empires more in depth. I want to see chaos more in depth. I want to see how they handle the mutations and the different demons and the beasts. I want to see the elves who have one of the more complicated stories and how they present it. And then I want to actually see how story campaigns progress. There's a lot of weird mythos in this universe, and I want to see how they tackle it. Like That's one of the things I'm most
0: excited about seeing.
1: Okay, okay. We also got some Persona Five news. So Vince,
0: yes, uh, it's been kind of trickling out over the past few weeks, but uh, we finally got the big deluge of information about Persona Five coming from Japan's Famitsu magazine. And there's a lot of really cool stuff in here. That you know, the more I look at it, and the more I think about it, it really starts to bring a lot of the themes of the game together. Because one of the things I've always liked about Persona, and one of the many things, is that it. It always kind of speaks as to how you know we interact with society and whatnot and with the main characters being japanese teenagers the of course the cell phone is an immense part of this game to the point where the entire game structure is built around this app they have the other world navi parallel world navigation which enables them to access you know the the game world if you will by persona standards it's actually kind of normal having a cell phone app to this. I mean, after crawling into TVs in the last main line of really. the game. <laughs> but I really like a lot of the stuff that we're getting with the with the characters themselves. It's still not a whole lot of details on you know, the specific characters because that's the kind of thing they like to reveal in the game. You know, give some broad strokes. You know, OK, this guy's a troublemaker. You know, this and that but it's the depth of the character that's revealed over the course of your playtime is where that's really important. But the thing I'm liking here is that they come to find out that, you know, all these kids, they're, you know, they're kind of outcasts, they're kind of troublemakers. So they take it upon themselves to try and, you know, get their lives together and use this Otherworld navigation app to really help the other people in Tokyo and Japan. And that's what a lot of the game is built around is it's not one big story like in the previous couple games of oh my god we have to stop these demons or we have to find the serial killer it's a bunch of smaller stories it's it's like a tv series or as they say it's like an omnibus it's a bunch of smaller stories that are going to be more self contained and eventually come together into a larger story so the structure i think really is something new for the persona franchise but I I think it it. could really work because so much, like I said, so much of what makes persona, what is, what it is, is really developing these in-depth relationships with the characters. So having, a chapter of the game devoted to you know helping out this one specific person who has a rotten soul that they need to go inside to you know to steal the rottenness outside of them that's the whole thief look that they have going on they're not they're not stealing valuables they're actually stealing evil out of good people so there's a lot of really interesting stuff here but being able to have like an entire chapter of the game devoted to a specific character a specific story and really diving down into it instead of spreading all the development out across a game because even me as many times as i've played the persona games there are characters i just forget about because i finish their story at the beginning of the game and then you know eight months of game time later i forget you know some of the stuff about them or i'll miss a quest and then i'll just never develop that relationship again so i'm interested to see how breaking it up into this more episodic format is going to change the flow of the game and. I, I'm really excited for that because it's something that the series does really well. I think that we're at a point where we,
1: they have to do that kind of thing with this kind of game as well. And we should see more of that from other developers as well, because again, People are playing games in a way different fashion than they used mm-hmm. to. And it is very much chunks now that you allocate a shorter period of time. And it is nice to be able to have a game that you can sit down for a half or, half hour or so and accomplish something. And not have to be like wandering about and, oh, I only got half of this quest line done because I don't have time to do the rest. No, you go in, you can do this small part, but it all takes, it It all is part of a grander scheme, a grander story arc kind of thing. I I'm really excited about that. I think that's fantastic.
0: And it's also kinda of, again tying in with the the cell phone thing of in a persona game, you know, you have your your game days are built or separated into chunks of, you know, you get one to two like really big character moments per in-game day. Well, now that they have you know, the cell phone being such an important part of the game, while you're doing those one or two really important story elements, you're texting with other people and having smaller engagements with the characters. So you can, again, it's it splits it up. It's not, here's one really big thing. This is all we're focusing on, but it keeps you tied into all the other various elements and characters that are going on. Yeah, I think it's awesome. Okay, lastly, and
1: just ever so briefly, Wildstar is going free to play. That's like now, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. If it four hasn't hours. started, it was. It's very, very soon. It's coming up, and because uh, it started the count. Actually, no, sorry, it's at midnight. Is it not? I think four hours for four hours. Yeah, sure four hours. hours. Yeah, so it's going to be free to play. So you're
2: letting us preload. They actually
1: they there's uh, a lot of changes that they've been talking about that they have put in. Uh, I was actually looking through some stuff and found that much like we've seen with World of Warcraft where there are spectacular add-ons that are created from other people that are eventually created then as part of the actual game by the devs. They're putting in just th- three of my must use add-ons as actual options in the game. One of them being sell all junk, which any game that doesn't have that now that has <laughs> junk is an idiot. But also, and I've said this before I, for WildStar use and, and, it's to the point where as good as their combat system is, I hate playing without it. So I make sure that on any system I use it 2 add-ons that change the gameplay so that it feels like a first person shooter. So your mouse movement actually moves the camera and then you have uh your your first and second ability set to your right and your left key uh mouse buttons so it feels just like a first person shooter and i've played it without those add-ons and with it and i can't play it without it that's what makes the game so engrossing for me are those add-ons so the fact that they're adding that in as dedicated gameplay options if you want them had me all manner of excited because it'll probably work better than the add-ons. The add-ons are still a little tricky when you're bringing up windows or trying to go into buildings. I always look like I'm firing when I'm going into buildings (laughs) because I'm using the button. But anyways, going free to play, and that's at midnight, they've been getting... And it's nice. A ton of good press and a ton of people talking on social media about being excited about getting into the game again because of the variety of changes that they've made throughout. That it's no longer this hardcore game. It's all hardcore, hardcore. No, now it's about go in and just have a ton of fun. And so super excited about this. And for the
2: lighting changes. (laughs) So pretty.
1: Sorry. Sorry. If anybody's looking for a guild, I am on the uh, PvE realm. And uh, by all means, we've got a Discord channel as well set up for our little guild. I'm hoping that a lot of people are going to come back. It's Big Damn Heroes Inc. And uh, we have a lot of fun in there. So I will put a link. And if you're interested in just joining up a, a very casual, fun loving guild, let us know. And with that, we're actually gonna call it a wrap. Thank you for everybody who joined us live. You can find the show notes, of course, at for the lore. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Leave us some comments there. The live stream, of course, is on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern time. You can find it at for the slash live. You can also find us on Twitter at for the lore or individually, Joe is at loaders at J Vince is at Samodian, and myself is at Zen Buddhist. And with that, we will talk to you guys next week
2: strength to carry
1: on
2: and your that's dedication dude i put in 67 <laughs> hours last week i think it snake- depends if it was a joke i was gonna say because they no somebody had made that joke today at work and almost got punched
1: <laughs> go ahead right. it's a long drive for you to get that punch in and let me tell you i fight
2: back <laughs> i just yeah but it's raining i, think I might help I play for that walk a little second. bit faster I wish it had more of a story so I could talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> but the story is basically pummel the shit out of your opponent, win football games, make them make them hurt.
1: Testing, son of a bitch! Listen to me. Okay, okay. That be good
0: Fuck! I am listening. <laughs> <laughs>
1: being so mean.
0: So I had a cool day with Tart on Saturday. Yeah, y'all have fun. Nice. Yep. She
2: uh, she informed me you got to see how bad a video game she is.
0: <laughs> I told her she's not bad. It's just that I'm really good.
2: Yeah, that's um, not exactly true, but I appreciate you being nice to my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I had to beat the robot part. <laughs> she uh, told the me. The first robot part for Loaderbot because she couldn't get past it. What? I love her, but she ain't good at video games. Hold on, what do you
1: mean Loader Bot? You're not talking about Telltale Games. I am, Border- telling
2: about, I am talking about the Telltale <laughs> Games.
1: How can you fail a Telltale Games Borderland?
2: She couldn't figure out how to do the robot thing right.
1: But it's a Telltale Games.
2: <laughs> I'm aware. <laughs> how can you she not? Was not happy. She was not happy with the results. She didn't want to get that result, so she made me beat it. Same with the uh, Mass Effect 1 where she was trying to defuse the bombs in the station. She couldn't do it fast enough. And it's like the third mission. So she made me beat it for her.
1: I can see some things not being able to do them for sure. Hell, there's something I'll sure. get Tristan to do for me. But not for a telltale
2: game. Yeah, well. I you... just. you But now yeah. Vince has met Tart, so now
0: he understands.
1: Yeah,
2: interesting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she almost beat well, me at bowling. Well, I couldn't let that stand. <laughs> <laughs> Came back in the last frame, one by two pins. <laughs> nice. do hope,
2: Don't a dollar, rabbit's <laughs>
0: foot on a string. A Thank you for listening to For The Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.
1: If I found a lucky penny,
0: I'd toss it across the bay. Your love is worth all the gold on earth. No wonder that I say, come on and be my little good luck charm.
2: I'm hanging on my own I do have, I do uh, have I do hope, I do hope I do not